You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. This is MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox edition. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz. I am joined by Scott Merkin, and we are going to talk about, for my money, on a short list of more interesting teams this offseason just because uh, we don't know what direction they're going to go in. I'm not sure they know what direction they're going to go in. The White Sox obviously uh, went heavy uh, in the acquisition front last winter. Did not work out nearly as well as planned. They do still have a core of Chris Sale and Jose Abreu and Adam Eaton and Jose Quintana. Question being, do they add on to that core? Do they use a, a Quintana to, uh, to add some other pieces? Um, a lot of different directions they can go, Merck. Uh, what, first of all, I guess let's just take it from a general sense. Uh, your, your sense of this club going into uh, the winter and, and what direction you think they might end up going? Well, it's interesting. We, we were at uh, a group of us were at the Amateur City Elite, their great youth baseball program, which has now sent, uh, helped send 106 kids uh, through collegiate scholarship time to the next level. And Kenny spoke a little bit at that. Kenny Williams, the executive vice president, former general manager, spoke a little about the direction. And he said, and it, I think it sounds, when you say it out loud, worse than it is, but he said, you know, they still don't know the direction. Now, that's not like they're sitting there saying, flipping coins and writing down, well, we have 26 heads, 23 tails, so we go this direction. I think Rick Hahn, the general manager, is really exploring all the different options, checking out free agency, checking out what's available in trade, checking out what they have to give up to get something in trade how much they have to spend on the free agency. We asked straight on, you know, after last year's disappointing season and the $85 million they have committed to nine players right now, are they not going to add payroll? Is that pretty much safe to assume? He said, no, you can't assume that. Nothing's certain yet. So I still think it's going to be what you've pretty much seen from them in the past, you know, with a few years veering off, and that's kind of a blend, you know, where maybe they, they add something important at third base, but maybe subtract somewhere else to kind of balance it out a little bit. I would be surprised, this is me guessing, if, if they go over. The payroll was somewhere around $118 million last year. I would be surprised if they raise that, but I would certainly not be surprised if they get to that point or somewhere maybe a little bit above that point. So, again, I don't think it's going to be I, – I wrote this in the free agent preview for us. I don't think it's going to be you know, a lot of big-ticket items, so to speak, they're going after. But I do think they're going to look to improve and not tear down and go to a full, full-fledged rebuild. There, there's too many – I think you probably see this too. I mean, there's too many veterans that they're committed to for more than just a season that they have a, a lot of work in the opposite direction to do if they're going to go full rebuild. And to be honest with you, people will laugh and say, oh, you know, you're looking at rose-colored glasses or whatever. But I don't think they're that far off because of the fact that I think just having this whole group together when they added so many new guys last year, having them together for one year is going to just inherently improve them going into 16. Well, one move they did make already was declining the $9 million option on Alexei Ramirez. Uh, and, and maybe there's still uh, room to work something out with Alexei uh, going forward on a, on a lower uh, budget. But um, when you look at their needs, Merck, uh, certainly, you know, shortstop's on that list. Uh, second base, third base, you mentioned catcher. Uh, they could certainly stand to upgrade offensively a catcher. Is there, are there, is there a guy or guys? in this free agent field that you look at those positions and, and feel is realistic for this club, knowing uh, the, the financial ramifications in play? Well, I, I don't actually, uh, because I don't think the catching pool is extraordinarily deep and they really like right. what Tyler flowers and this, you know, again, aggravates fans, but it's, it's 
it's accurate that they like what he does behind the plate. They like what he does handling the pitchers, and that's the number one goal. But now he readily admitted to me at the beginning of this offseason when I talked to him that he was part of the issue. Tyler was part of the issue offensively, but he felt like you know he adds some points to his average of what he does in terms of pitch framing, which is I think according to you know whatever stat you look at, one of the top two or three in the game in pitch framing, and just handling the staff, which is you know by far the strong suit on the White Sox. You look at third base, and there's a guy like David Freeze out there who's a, a very solid third baseman, but I don't know if that's they want to go and commit, you know, whatever for two or three years to get him. A guy like Todd Frazier, who, you know, and again, no one said anything specifically except we've heard rumblings that the Reds may be kind of open for business. That might be someone that could instruct, but then again, you weigh about what do you have to give up to get him, and is that one of those things where you add somewhere but subtract another spot where you have some depth? And in terms of shortstop, it's an interesting situation because, you know, yeah, they didn't turn down Ramirez's $10 million option and use the $1 million buyout on him, and you know, he wants to come back. I mean, it's been, you know, made pretty much clear by him, and even during the offseason, the only team he's known since he came to, you know, Major League Baseball. But I think he's going to be, you know, interested to see the offers he gets in, in, in a market that's not deep either at shortstop. I think he could be a pretty good option for reasonable type prices, you know, a couple-year deal for him. So that, you know, his desire to come back may be outweighed by what he's offered. And then you have a guy like Tim Anderson who's, you know, according to – our rankings as the number one prospect for the White Sox, and one of the few guys right now in the Sox who's in the top 100 period in baseball, at least was in the last time they had these rankings. You know, he, how far away is he at shortstop? So do you want to go out and look at an Ian Desmond, who's going to probably, you know, who's not going to come for one year, that's pretty much assumed, or do you want to go with Tyler Sales, you know, very good defensive player, and, you know, decent offensively, more maybe, you know, profiles more as a utility guy, but go with him and tell Tim Anderson might be ready in 2017. And then you go to the other side is, do you know for a fact that Tim Anderson defensively is going to be your shortstop? So there's all the situations. Where I would say third base and then upgrading offensively, whether it's catcher or whether it's you know even an outfield position or anything like that, and then adding another pitcher because you want to you know, keep making that strong suit even stronger are the, are the priorities for the White Sox. Yeah, clearly the need to do something offensively because we saw that offense lag uh, you know, certainly much more than anticipated. Is, is balance important, Merck? I mean, they, should they be targeting a left-handed bat specifically? Well, I think that helps. But, I mean, I, I think you also go on the – and it may not be the proper way to look at it, but you can't – you know, you go on the – it can't be worse than this theory when you're – I mean, again, they have to make sense. <laughs> but, but LaRoche is not – Adam LaRoche will not be as bad as he was last year. Adam Eaton, who finished with, with great – promise? Really. What would you say? You promise about LaRoche? Well, I don't promise. promise. We have not we have not spoken, and he has not guaranteed this to me. But uh, but I would I mean you watched him play. I would think you, even a slight improvement helps that offense considerably. You know, Adam Eaton, who finished with great numbers last year, but through like the first five weeks of the year, had one RBI and struggled immensely. Melky Cabrera had a very tough start, and he also finished with good numbers. So, you know, that's going to help. But yeah, they need. They need guys who make a little better contact. It's funny talking to Nick Hostetler, who's now a real bright guy who's running the draft. You know, he was uh, Doug Lombardson, but has taken over as the number one guy there. And he said, you know, they're looking more for offensive guys who maybe are a little more contact type instead of the kind of all-or-nothing type of deal. So I think that's a little bit of a focus. But, yeah, left-handed bats help. And, you know, like I said, they're hoping for improvement from the guys they already have, you know, to go with the key guys they have in place like uh, Jose Abreu. Uh, I mentioned Quintana earlier. So uh, you look at the White Sox, they, they've got 
decent pitching depth in their system. Uh, at the same time, there's something very attractive about keeping Quintana. I mean, uh, I think it's uh, short of $16 million guaranteed over the next two years and then with a couple affordable team options after that. And obviously a, a, a young man who's uh, given them 200 innings each of the last three seasons. He's been well above average in each of those three seasons. Doesn't get uh, en- enough support, obviously, as evidenced by all the no decisions. But, um, you know, a, a very solid starting option, but also kind of doubles as maybe their best realistic trade ship. I mean, obviously, Chris Sale would probably be their, or Jose Abreu would be their best trade ship. So I'm talking about realistically, uh, Quintana makes sense. Uh, what, what do you think of that, Merck, uh, as far as the, the trade market and, and whether Jose Quintana could be a part of it? Well, let me turn the table and ask you a question. You know, people have mentioned sure. the last couple off seasons, Chris Sale's name. Now, if, if you're Rick Hahn, for one day, Anthony Kasterman says, Rick Hahn, do you, yeah. do you, you know, people look at the Zach Granke trade, and I think it's a completely different scenario because Granke wasn't coming back to Kansas City, and Sale loves pitching for the White Sox and wants to win with the White Sox. Do, do you trade Chris Sale if you get, you know, potentially three starters and a, a top prospect or a very solid prospect in return? Honestly, I'd be very tempted because you're talking about a guy who, uh, Guaranteed through 17, right, Merck? And then options, two options beyond that? Yeah, two, two more guaranteed years and then two options, yeah. So, I mean, you can yeah. almost assume that those options are, you know, barring anything unforeseen. You basically have right, four right. years in both, yeah. I mean, we might be talking about peak value right now. Um, and, you know, like anybody else, I'd, and it's no knock on sale. It's just that it is an unorthodox body and, and delivery and all that. And so you do wonder – uh, what what the long long term future holds for him, um, and you just never know with pitchers. I, and I don't know with, with the White Sox with where they're at. I would I would definitely be tempted if it was the right package coming back. The question being, uh, in this market, free agent market being as deep as it is, does that package exist right now? Yeah, see, um, and you know, I would I would not trade him at all at this point. And I and I and I understand what you're saying, and I think more so than the physical part because they seem to you know. Both Chris and the team have a handle on what what he needs to do to, to keep him healthy. And he was healthy last year, aside from a you know a freak accident in spring training that led to a a broken foot, which had nothing to do with pitching or anything, you know. Right. But I I just think you need you know teams overpay for that kind of guy on the open market. You know, a guy who when the playoffs start, here's your number one. I, you know, I think back to '08 when they scrambled. No, part of it was they had to scramble to get in and win like three games in three days just to get in the playoffs, but. They were scrambling for a guy in game one. Now, Chris Sale, Quintana, and they hope Rodon are all guys you can go to on that. But I just think, unless, I mean, you always listen. There, there's never, as Jerry Reinsdorf said last year at the winter meetings, the only guy that was ever untradeable that he, you know, has seen that in the teams he owned was number 23 for the Bulls, Michael Jordan. But I think you listen. But, boy, I think I'd, if, if I were Rick Hahn, I'd have to almost drop the phone and call other people in the office and say, you, you're not going to believe what I just got offered for Chris Sale to trade him. I think it's important that you have a guy who's the face of the franchise. You have a guy who wants to be there, who's expressed that, who wants to win the Sox, and is is become kind of a leader, you know, both in the community and in with in within the clubhouse. Even as a guy who goes every fifth days, he kind of plays that down because of the fact he's not on the field every day. But I think it's you know, and, and again, I think this is all speculation because I think it's basically a one or two percent that he gets moved at all but it's just interesting to see in terms of Quintana I think probably a little bit higher percent but not much higher you know they love Quintana they love yeah. what he's become I mean Don Cooper pointed out that he basically has two seasons worth of starts that are no decisions so 
he has 52 no decisions in 2012. So that makes, basically means like for two seasons his record was zero and zero, despite going out and giving up one or two runs a game. So I, if I'm the Sox, unless you see no other options to really kind of tweak this team, and, and they need a jolt. There's no question about it. They need something to you know to move them forward and, and kind of jolt them in the right direction. But why subtract from the area that's probably going to get you to the next level ultimately, as opposed to maybe taking some of your younger pitchers in the system that you're developing, maybe putting a couple of those together and trying to acquire something else. So that's kind of the direction I would go, but it'll be interesting to see what Rick and Kenny and Jerry Reinsdorf eventually decide. All right, a lot to chew on there. We'll continue to check in with Scott Merkin as the winter evolves and the White Sox plan becomes clearer. Uh, until then, thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Cashman. This has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.